country. Churches that cannot get their kick going. I was preaching at an event, I don't know, three weeks ago. And uh, they'd hired this hall. And they got banks of PA and cameras and everything down the side. And it just so happened on that morning, the operator got COVID. So they are trying their best to get it working. I mean, there's tiny by comparison. And so you've got a congregation and they're fiddling with it until it's supposed to start at 10.30. It ended up 10 past 11 by this time they decided to quit on, on, it, on the equipment. But they didn't quit on the program. And the program went on and on and on. And I'm the guest preacher, and the church is supposed to finish about 10 to 12, and they hand over to me at 10 past 12, over to the preacher at 10, when they all should be at home, safely eating their dinners. And so by quarter past 12, there's me, the church mouse, and a squirrel left in the place. That's what tech does, doesn't it? And, um, and sometimes you just, I'm glad we did just quit on the tech. I've got a bit of an echo. Uh, maybe just turn it down a bit, because when I start shouting, it will echo. Uh, I've got a, a, a kind of a, a special word for you this morning that kind of resonates with me. And uh, particularly, particularly as... Uh, The nation is going through some stuff, and the church is going through some stuff. Let me read you the hit passage. He says, be still, be still, and know that I am. Still know I am God. And truly, I talked to lots of leaders, and I have tried my best since COVID started to get some special word that will bring some insight and package it all up, and this is what's happening, and this is what the church will be, and this is what God is doing amongst us. And I arrive here, many, many, many months later, and I'm not clear what's happening. And my only answer is, be still. And I say to every church leader now, and to congregations, families, be still. This is when people who know their God are still. The joke at Christmas. You say, you don't know my situation. You don't know my family situation. You don't know the debt I'm in. You don't know that I'm losing my job. You don't know that I'm frazzled and on the edge. I didn't know, I didn't know that my family from France that had been, got locked down in South Africa, and then they got to Switzerland, then they got to France, decided that last Sunday they would come home here. There's five of them. And they're eccentric like the rest of the Ellerington's. And they arrive. 
Now, our house can just about cope with one of them sleeping on the floor and we've got beds for the others. But down the road, we've got another family of five kids as well. Not five kids, a family of five. And they all want to play together. See, now the house is overtaken. Now the carpet's getting filthy. Now there's mud all around the place. Now they're scouring through the fridge. The freezer's even opened. They're eating food, everything. They're big lads in the family. And we're a noisy family, and everybody's shouting and arguing, rolling and fighting, and, you know, it's crazy. And it's raining outside, and everybody's bringing the rain in, and, do you know, and piling the coats up in the hall, and taking all the shoes off, and so on. And be still. It's impossible to be still. But I got to a place yesterday when I just sat down on the couch, and I said, be still. And it was all going off. And I found a special stillness inside of my spirit that the outside will not impact my inside. Be still. Know that I am God. What an amazing moment. And I love this moment. And you'll know the story in Revelation when John, this great disciple, is now being punished for proclaiming the gospel, and is in captivity on an island in a stone quarry. And it says, on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit. All of a sudden, the risen Lord begins to show up. An image, a vision of him. And the splendor and the glory and eyes blazing. And feet of burnished bronze glowing. And a sash of majesty. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And he begins to speak to John. And John, it says, fell to the ground as if dead. Be still. And know, John, on this island, all that you're going through, that I am here, I'm supreme God. And I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going to give you a vital message that you're going to take to the church because you're going to be released from this place. Go back and give this message. Be still. Because if you don't, you'll not hear what I'm saying. Moses, that great prince in Egypt, Brought up by the Pharaoh, leader amongst leaders, began to realize that he wasn't part of that community, that he was actually a Jew. And yet the Jewish nation was in captivity. And he began to get to know the Jewish nation. And he sided with the Jewish nation. And he wanted to protect the Jewish nation from Pharaoh. And he was found out. And for fear of his life, he ran. To save his life. And he ran into the desert. And as he ran into the desert, he ran away from all his schooling, all his education, all his influence, all his riches, all his power. And he ran into the desert. And there, he met his new wife. 
There, he became a shepherd and looked after his father-in-law's flock. This prince of all was now a meager shepherd working with the flock. And he is in the wilderness. How many times did God find us in our wilderness? When there is no other solution and we think that everything's going wrong for us and it's all against us, then we find God. And we find God in the stillness of the moment, not in the chaos of the wilderness. And in the chaos of the wilderness, and a man who thought he'd lost everything, really historically, because he had great grand ideas about releasing the nation of Israel from captivity, but now had to run for his life. Right there, he's walking, minding his own business, just tending the sheep, when all of a sudden he turns and he sees something ablaze in the desert. And it looks as if it's a bush that's burning, which wouldn't be unusual in the desert, except for the voice. And he turned from his sheep and his duties and his commitment and walked over to the bush. And a voice began to speak. Moses, Moses, a burning, talking bush. And he said, Here I am. Here I am. And this voice said to him, Here I am. This is you, but this is me. Moses, listen to me. Because you're going to go back to your ministry. You're going to leave this wilderness. And I'm going to empower you to set my people free from captivity. We have been found in the wilderness of life, every one of us, church. That's why we're here. We have found salvation where there was no other salvation. We found peace where we couldn't find any other peace. We found the living presence of God that transformed us, turned us inside out. When society and governments and the medical profession and education and friends couldn't do it. And he says, your name, now follow me. And you're going to go back to the people that I plucked you out from. And you're going to tell them that salvation is theirs. Moses, go back, set my people free. That stillness and know that I'm God, he was never the same again. We're shepherds in the field. Christmas. Again, minding their own business, tending the sheep. Just doing a normal day's work when suddenly at night time the heavens became alive and they heard angels singing glory to God in the highest. I mean, that is frightening. 
It's never happened to me. It's frightening. And angels, myriad of angels, show, hosts of angels show up. What an experience. That is a wow moment. The burning bush is a wow moment. On the Isle of Patmos was John. It's a wow moment. Glory to God in the highest. Today in Bethlehem, a Savior is born. Go and worship him. What about the sheep? Go and worship him. The I am appears. When I was 18, I met my wife. She's still with me this morning. Hung around for a long time. 18, there I was, young guy. I was destined, I promise you, to become a millionaire by the time that I was 28. I know it. I just know it. I was going to be a millionaire. By the age of 20, 20, I'd even got little plans of how to do it. All fictitious, of course. Never going to happen. Until one day, I was in a church in a place called Bradford, north of England. There must have been about a thousand people there, as opposed to a big choir event. Did I ever tell you about my choir experience? I was in a local church, and we had a choir and I wanted desperately to be in that choir for some reason. And so I went to the choir master, the man called Harry Semple, and I said, oh, Mr. Semple, I'd love to join the choir. And he says, well, oh, that's all right then. He said, I'm going to put you, I was only about so I was, I'm going to put you in the tenors, going to the tenors. So we had a tenor practice. And there he is, tenor practicing. And he said, oh, wait a minute, hold on. He says, what's that? Claude, you're not a tenor. You're not a tenor. I'm going to put you in the basses. So he put me in the basses. And so then he's with the basses. Something wrong here, he says. (laughs) It's you, Claude. He said, you're not a bass. And this was the insult. He said, I'm going to put you with the women in the altos. <laughs> I've got a woman's voice. <laughs> so I joined the women uh, for the altos for one go. I gave it up. Glory to God in the highest. Anyway, <clears throat> so I was in this big choir event in Bradford, a thousand people, when I spied out of the thousand this girl. And I'm thinking... I think I'm going to get to know that girl. So I tracked her down. See? And the moment I tracked her down, and she said to me, oh, please go out with me. (laughs) The moment she said that, the moment she said that, what could I do? I mean, I I wasn't going to upset her, was I? And so I said, yes. But that moment, everything changed for me. In that human moment, everything changed. All of a sudden, I got new aspirations. All of a sudden, I got fresh ideas. All of a sudden, I began to change my friendship group. All of a sudden, the things that I did do began 
to take second or third priority. My priority now was this new girlfriend. Now I'm getting a car. Now the car is for driving over to see her. Everything changed. I started writing poetry. I started singing love songs. I changed completely. I became a nicer person. I became a more enthusiastic person. People were sick and tired of me being enthusiastic about my new girlfriend. I wanted to go everywhere with my new girlfriend. I didn't want to go out with my mates anymore. I was fanatical Leeds United supporter. I gave Leeds United up. And they have never been the same ever since. <laughs> For my wife, my girlfriend, everything. And then I go to her church, and then to our church. And then everything changed. Because she showed up. When the great I am shows up, everything changes. There's nothing that compares. There is nothing that matches. Be still. Wow! When I saw her in that congregation. Different to everybody else I'd ever met. Wow! When I met Jesus, it was, wow, this is it. Shifted me inside. When in Matthew, I'm not going to go on, but I might. When I was in Matthew, there's a glorious story about the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven like? What is it like? It is like just a normal human being. Going through fields, Palestine. And let's say, in our terms, it's with a metal detector, but he's digging in the field. When all of a sudden, his spade hits something. And so curiously, digs around it. And there, there, underneath the soil, deep down, there's treasure beyond his wildest imagination. And he's looking around. Has anybody seen me? Has anybody seen me? And then he begins to cover it up quickly. And it wasn't unusual, though, for people to bury their treasure, particularly in times of war, and they'd have to go away or taken into captivity, whatever, or slavery. They'd bury their treasure in the hope that one day they'd come back. He had discovered this treasure trove. So he hid it so nobody else would find it. And then he went and sold everything that he had. Why? Everything that he had, everything he had, he became poor for a moment so that he could buy the whole field. When I became a Christian, I found a treasure in the great I am. And I gladly, gladly surrendered everything else and all my wildest ambitions. It just did it naturally because there was no comparison. The treasure of becoming a millionaire at 28 to the idea then I'd experienced the great I am, Jesus. I'd met him, treaded all in so that I might be part of his kingdom. Another man was a collector of pearls. 
And he scoured the markets collecting pearls when one day he saw a pearl that just outstripped every pearl that he had. The greatest cost and price. It was amazing. He, he was an expert, but he'd never seen a pearl like that before. Quickly, he went, sold everything that he got to become poor for a moment so they might go and buy that pearl. Wow! The pearl I've been looking for. The pearl I didn't think existed. I've seen it. The man in the field. Wow! The treasure that I always wanted but could never get right in front of me. Wow! I'll give it all up for the pearl of greatest price. That's the kingdom of God. I'll give it all up for the treasure in the field. That's the kingdom of God. And the true disciple walks away from what is to gain something else. Moses, give it up. Follow me. John on the Isle of Patmos, come on. It's the end of slavery. Follow me. Go back and tell the churches what I want to tell you. Be still. Wow. Know that I'm God. In the middle of the tempest, in the middle of the storm, you will not break so long as you stay still. We do the very opposite. We panic. We run around. We try to fix this, fix that, fix the other. We have spiritual warfare meetings as well as Christians. And we'll do the spiritual warfare bit. And we'll pray the heavens down and earth up. We'll do it all. We'll do it all. But there's a time when it's be still. Don't warfare anymore. Don't plan and work frantically anymore. Because I'm going to step into this myself and you'll see my mighty hand. Be still and know. And that word still simply means this. Stop. Be still. Stop. Hold back. Go down. Humble yourself. This word means action the same time as it means be still. Be still. Why? Why? Is it active? Be still to know. Be still to know. Can you hear that? Stop now, God says. And I say to the church, Jesus Christ, stop now. Just stop. Don't be so frantic with everything. You don't have to make it work. Stop now. And no, and that word no is a brilliant word. It means to have knowledge of. To have knowledge of, to see, listen to this, to see the pearl, the treasure, to have knowledge of its price, its worth, to have knowledge of, to discern, to discover, to understand, to be certain, to recognize. As you recognize a friend, I was at a party some years ago, and there were about 40 of us, I suppose, in this party. And they asked me to do a, an impression of, I used to do it years ago, an impression of Cliff Richard. So I do an impression of Cliff Richard. Who walks through the door? That very time while I'm doing my impression, Cliff Richard, with his guitar. Everybody recognized him. Nobody knew me. 
when you see me, you will know me. When you see me, the great I am, you will know me. You'll discern me. You'll recognize in me. You'll understand me. You'll have the knowledge of me. When you see me, you'll know me. And he said to his disciples, but have I been with you so long and yet you don't know me? Frantically serving me, but yet you don't know me. Be still, step down, pause, and know, concentrate on the know, that I am, I am. And the word simply means me. It's me. Cliff Richard walked through the door. It's me. It's me. When Jesus walks in, it's me. There's no other. There's nobody else famous. There's nobody else worth the attention. There's nobody else worth the adoration. It's me. It's me. I am the bread of life. You'll never hunger again. Everything you want for your life, growth and development, I am the bread of life. It's me. I am the light of the world. We, the Bible says, are like blind men groping alongst the walls we cannot see. We don't know where we're going. We're lost, just like in our day society. But I am, I am the light of the world. I will show you. I will guide you. There'll be no darkness in our walk together. I am the door, he says. I am the door to the truth. I am the door to the kingdom. I am the door to salvation. I am the door to your future. Everyone is looking for a door, a way in. I am the way in. I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I am the vine, the sap of life. Your children, your family, growing up, Teach them to grow up in me. Drink the sap of salvation as they're growing up. Lead them in the kingdom. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. There is no death. There is no death. I am the resurrection so you will be raised from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. And you can have that life now because I am the I am. Finishing. 3,500 years ago, Moses said this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Dwelling place. I live in Cheddar. It's my dwelling place. I guess you live in wells or around your dwelling place. People lay great store about a home. Homeless people need a home. Home 
A dwelling place is important. A dwelling place. I've invested in my dwelling place in Cheddar. I live there because the education's there. The doctors are there. Chiropodists are there. Dentists there. Everything a man my age needs. It's all in Cheddar. What a great place to invest in. Our children have grown up in Cheddar. We live together in Cheddar. Our friends are in Cheddar. Great place. It's a good place. Here, Wells, great place. Similarly. So when we think about it, buying a new house or moving, it's all dwelling place. It's dwelling place. It's where we, where we dwell. It's where we are. It's where we live. It's our story. It's worth the investment. Except, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Not what you've got, not your home, rented or bought, large or small, posh, not posh, whatever it is, that is not your home. Lord, you, the I am, you are my dwelling place. My father-in-law was a butcher and he had a butcher's business all his life, fought in the war, great man of God. It meant nothing to him because he would tell me this. This is not my home. There's my home. There's my dwelling place. My great friend, a guy called John Lancaster, who is probably one of our premier Bible teachers, pastored all over this nation, preached around the world everywhere, now 96 years of age. He never owned a thing that mattered anything. Because his home, his dwelling place, is with the great I am. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Elohim. Elohim, power of all powers. From everlasting to everlasting. From greatness to greatness my protector, my healer, my baptizer, my coming king, my deliverer, Elohim, the great name of God. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble, Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth gives way, even though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, because there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's the holy place where the most dwells and God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations though are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. To desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes war seats. Uh, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. And he says, ultimately, be still now 
and know that I am God, then I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the church. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is exalted in our stillness. Church, take it with you into Christmas. Be still and know the great I am, Elohim, is God. Amen.